You are listening to the How Did You Get Into That Podcast with Grant Baldwin, episode 58. Let's go. Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That Podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another beautiful edition of How Did You Get Into That? Hey, if uh, wherever you are in the world, if you are celebrating Thanksgiving, Happy Thanksgiving to you. This episode will be coming out on Thanksgiving Day. So right now you're probably eating turkey, stuffing yourself with gravy, mashed potatoes, pumpkin pie, all of the trimmings and fixings that come along with that. But honestly, happy Thanksgiving to you. Really, really thankful for you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Really does mean a lot. We've got people in over 150 countries all over the world that download and listen to this podcast every single week. And honestly, genuinely, it really, really, really does mean a lot. Honored and excited to have you here with us again. Uh, Another episode here. Today, we've got a great episode for you. Before we get into that, We do have a free webinar next Tuesday. I would love for you to be a part of. We're going to be talking about determining and discovering your passions. Most people want to do work that they are passionate about. You know, I read a Gallup poll recently. It said of 150,000 people that they studied and surveyed, that 70% of them would describe themselves as disengaged with their work. 70%. So that means there's a pretty good chance that you would fall into that 70% that you feel like, eh, my work, it just, I hate Sunday nights. I hate Monday morning. I hate going into the office. I hate my commute. I hate living in cubicle land. I'm frustrated with my coworkers. I'm disappointed and annoyed with my boss. I want to do something that brings joy, satisfaction to my life. I want to do something that I'm passionate about. So next Tuesday, we're going to be talking all about that. We're going to be answering your questions as well. So I would love to have you hang out with us. It's going to be a free webinar, but you do have to register. You can go to grantbaldwin.com slash webinar. Again, that's grantbaldwin.com slash webinar. Make sure you are a part of that. All right, today we've got an episode with my friend, Carolyn Koprash. Uh, Carolyn works for an online company, online tech startup called Buffer. That is a tool that I use quite a bit that I'm a big fan of. We'll talk a little bit about it and explain it in the interview as well. But a lot of great stuff that we cover and go through today. And so I'm going to get right into it. Let's go. Here we go. Enjoy this interview with Carolyn. All right, what is up? Welcome to another episode of How'd You Get Into That? Today we are joined by my friend Carolyn Koprash, which, you know, if you look at her last name, I don't even know how you pronounce it, but she told me it's like a cop with a poison ivy rash. So uh, cop rash, I think, is what we're going to go with there. So Carolyn is the chief happiness officer at a company, a tool I use online quite a bit called Buffer. And uh, so I'm sure we'll, we'll get into what Buffer is and uh, how it's used. But is it just to make people happy? That sounds like a pretty good gig. <laughs> it is a pretty good gig. <laughs> nice. All um, right. So you work for Buffer as the chief happiness officer. What exactly does that even mean? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, So one common misconception about sort of the chief happiness officer is that it's about like internal happiness, like employees. Um, So it's often mistaken as an HR title, um, but it's more of of a customer service title. So we have a happiness team at Buffer, and those are the people who take care of our customers. Um, so they answer questions and they guide people through the application and then, you know, take that information and feed it back to the, um, to the product and engineering teams to keep customers happy 
kind of on the short term by answering their questions and also on the long term by building things that, that are going to serve their needs. And for someone that's not familiar, what exactly is Buffer? Yeah, I'm sorry. I should have started there. Buffer is a social media scheduling application, which just basically means, you know, somebody who wants to share a bunch of stuff on social doesn't have to be at their computer at the exact moment of pushing the button. Um, so a lot of individuals and businesses use it. Um, there's different levels of plans that you can use depending on your needs. Um, but it basically just helps you kind of keep a consistent presence on social media and share everything that you want to share and then learn from that. So, you know, we have analytics that tell you this post did really well, do more of these, or, you know, this post wasn't as popular, you know, and so you can kind of understand what it is your audience is looking for. Yeah. And it's something I've been using for a little while where I think even just as you described there, that sometimes you come across a, a bunch of different posts or articles or things that you want to share. And rather than just kind of puking them on social media at the same <laughs> time, like spreading them out, you know, you don't have to go the fire hose approach. And even still, like I have people who tell me like, Hey, I know you're on a plane at this time, or no, you were sitting next to me, and yet you just tweeted. How'd you do that? I was like, well, there's this right. little magic tool that I use. <laughs> so it's a cool tool in, indeed. So, all right, so let's backtrack a little bit and let's get into how you began your journey of how you got into what you're doing today. So, where, where are you from originally? So, I'm from Long Island, New York, originally. Okay. And then, what were you, what was life like growing up for you? Yeah, growing up. It's so interesting. Um, I got really my my dad's sort of techie side. So, <laughs> growing up, I think I have I have one older sister as well, and she and I got very different sets of genes. <laughs> so, growing up for me was just all about you know the newest technology and the toy, and trying to keep up with my very techie father, um, who I still cannot keep up with, even though he's in his sixties. <laughs> nice. um, he still out Macs me and and out iOS <laughs> me, which is still really really. Uh, frustrating. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just, uh, I developed a real love for kind of technology and helping people with it. And um, I sort of became, you know, I guess the person who always wanted to help everybody else understand how to get the most out of their their toys. So <laughs> that was kind of, I think, what led me to today. But in general, it was just a really typical lucky privilege. I mean, gosh, I, I, I look back and I was, I, I was really, really, really lucky. And I don't think I appreciated it at the time to, to grow up in, in a beautiful place with, you know, a safe home and, and all that good stuff. So I had a very happy childhood. <laughs> and it's always cool. Like hindsight's twenty twenty, but it's always cool to look back and be like, you know, it's interesting even as a kid that, you know, I had this fascination with technology, had this fascination with just helping people. And, right. and even just, I think there's a lot of people that listen to this who would say, I just, you know, I want to help people and I want to make people happy. Or I want to make the world a better place. I have right. no idea what that like actually translates into. Right. Uh, and so I think it, it's cool to hear from you. Like even as a kid, like I just wanted to make people happy. I didn't know how, or I didn't know what that looked like. I knew I was kind of into technology. I knew my dad was in it. I was trying to keep pace with him. But, <laughs> right. you know, even to see how that plays out today is always cool. So growing up, fascinated with that. And then you you head off to uh, college. We were just talking a little bit offline that you went to college in Nashville, right? I did. Yep. We were just sharing our, our gushing stories of, of how much we love Nashville. So, <laughs> so when you're in college, what were you studying? What were you wanting to do? So, yeah, I was on kind of a different path. As, as a kid, I was just absolutely fascinated by marketing and advertising. And the one thing that I really struggled with in that sort of industry was the fact that a lot of marketing tends to, I guess, sort of play to insecurities. And so I really was interested in sort of figuring out ways to appeal to people and bring people products without 
talking about what they need to fix. (laughs) So I studied sociology. I was really curious. Um, There wasn't a marketing major at Vanderbilt. And so I studied sociology and kind of a minor in in like a business style um, management type of minor. And what I was, what I was, what I thought I was going to do was kind of go into like PR and marketing and advertising and hopefully kind of approach it from a different perspective, like products that I was really much more interested in products that enhanced people's lives as opposed to like fixed that problem, you know? Right, 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 right. (laughs) So I felt really strongly about that. So once you kind of reach graduation, you're interested in marketing, advertising, sociology, business. What kind of path are you on? What are you planning on doing at that point? Yeah, so I went into a PR firm, PR marketing firm, a small company in Nashville, where I got to do like PR and, and marketing for healthcare clients and because that's a big industry in Nashville, and also restaurants and, and a couple other fun clients. So I spent a lot of time sort of trying to trying to learn how to do public relations in a very changing world of, you know, newspaper impressions not really being the be all end all of PR reports anymore. And while I was there, <laughs> you know, it was a very traditional agency, you know, logo design and, um, and all that good stuff. And customers, their clients started asking for email marketing. And so being the youngest person on the team, they kind of went, you know, you're, you're young, you're, you're young, you can figure this out, <laughs> figure this out. Exactly. So they kind of said like, how would you like to sort of do email marketing for, our clients. And I was terrified. <laughs> I was terrified. But that's kind of how I ended up on the technology path because I absolutely had a total blast doing that. I just got lucky that they thought, oh, well, you know, you whippersnappers, you know how to do this email stuff. <laughs> Interesting. So I kind of took that over. So even out of college, once you start at the PR firm, is that, are you feeling like that's what you want to do? Or is it just kind of a job to buy you time? What are you kind of thinking? Yeah. It was the right sort of world that I thought I wanted to be in. It probably wasn't like, you know, the perfect job that, you know, wasn't the dream job, but I was so grateful to have any job. (laughs) It was 2008 and, you know, the, the market was a little bit tricky at that time. So I had several friends who, you know, had moved home and hadn't been able to even find anything. So I was just thrilled that I was getting to stay in Nashville and sort of support myself, even if I was learning how to budget every penny at the time. (laughs) Right, right. So you're doing that for a little while. How long are you at the firm before they come to you with the email marketing option? Yeah, so that was like the first few months. They had just sort of started to think about it. And so once I came on board, I came on board as an intern originally during, during school. And then I went home for the summer and came back and they were like, okay, we've been waiting for you to get back. So you can sort of handle this. (laughs) So I did email and really learned the in and outs of email marketing um, for about a year. I was at that company. So whenever you're there, they give you the email marketing opportunity. Is it immediately, even as they present it to you, are you kind of like, oh yeah, this sounds really cool. Or is it like, well, (laughs) I'm the youngest, I'm maybe the low man (laughs) on the totem pole. So I don't know that I have much of a choice or what, what are you thinking at that point? Yeah, I knew that that was really cool. Um, I was terrified because I had no idea anything about email marketing and I did not know even one bit of HTML or, or anything like that. But I felt that it was really cool and it was a marketing area that I felt excited about. You know, I just didn't really, being, you know, 21, I, I didn't really relate to the impressions in a newspaper type of stuff. 
so I started, you know, customers were asking about, you know, email marketing and social media and all that stuff. And so I was lucky enough. That was the area that I felt the most excited about. And it was the easiest for them to pass it on to me because they already had, you know, a really good setup with the with the marketing and the design. And I am not a designer. So I was happy to not <laughs> play any role in that. Although probably should have had a designer do the emails too. If you look back, it's uh, some of <laughs> a little, first, little sketchy at best. Yeah, some of my first uh, client was not so pretty, but um, yeah, it was just fun to kind of learn it together with the clients because they weren't doing it either. So trying to figure out, you know, how do you segment your audience and what kind of areas should we be asking for emails and and how often should we be sending them and how often should we be in contact with our customers via email and like all those really big sort of digital marketing questions that none of us had really learned how to ask. We kind of did that together with the clients. And I think that was my favorite part. I mean, I loved learning the technology and the marketing and all that, but I just absolutely loved working directly with the customers who were excited about the technology and they wanted to, you know, any opportunities there. And I felt like the absolute best parts of my day were when I got to get on the phone with my, you know, 13 clients or whatever. It was such a small firm, but I got to say, you know, oh, how was your daughter's recital? <laughs> you know, like that really, really close contact um, and helping people sort of get excited about about their marketing was really, really fun for me. Well, let's backtrack for a minute because I like what you said earlier of whenever, you know, they first presented the opportunity to you to do email marketing and you were like, I'm super excited, but I have no clue what I'm doing. And yeah. I think that's great because I think that's where anybody starts with any new skill set. You know, we see something that just resonates with us, that clicks with us. And it seems like something like, I think I'd be good at that. Like, I think I'd really, really enjoy that. But I have no idea what that actually entails. Right. And so it's one of those things where it's kind of like you say yes and just kind of figure it out as you go. It sounds like that's kind of the spot you were in. Definitely. Yes, very much. And I was just lucky that there was just all these new ways to learn from people who you wouldn't have otherwise had contact with, primarily social media. Um, so we weren't doing a ton of social media for our clients yet because um, it was still really not all that big with companies yet. But I'd gotten a Twitter account mostly just to learn about it. And I didn't really get it at first. I had kind of said like, oh, you know, who want, who cares what type of cereal I'm eating every day? But as soon as I joined, We've all been I realized, there. right, right, I, I didn't get it. And as soon as I joined Twitter, I realized, oh, this is how I can learn how to do this skill. So I started following, you know, Mark Brownlow and like, you know, every email marketing guru out there. And I just followed them religiously and I read everything that they said. And that's kind of how I learned was, I mean, I really had absolutely no knowledge on it. And so I just said, okay, there's all these people who are putting all this information out there for free on their blog. So I'll just read it all. <laughs> so um, nice. that's kind of how I learned. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't know a thing beforehand. But you said even in the midst of that, like the highlight of your day, even in the work you were doing was just being able to talk to those 13 clients and to just talk to them as humans, you know, not, not even necessarily about the social media part. What was it about the, of just interacting with people that you enjoyed so much? Yeah, I think like what I loved so much about customer service was that like you're in it together, right? Like I was helping them sort of understand the email marketing tool we were using, which was um, Campaign Monitor. And a lot of times I didn't know the answer either, but I got to learn with them and they were always so excited to learn it. So, you know, what I found overall was that people really want your business to succeed. Like they, 
customer service has, I think, sometimes a little bit of a, a reputation for being, you know, a little bit hard because people maybe aren't you're just cleaning you're cleaning up the mess (laughs) yeah you're cleaning up the mess and like what I realized was that customers are just people who just like you and me who are just like they just want somebody to help them learn it and they want to learn it with you and they want to get excited about it and they want to learn a new skill and continue to improve and do better at their job today than they did yesterday which I think is is really fun to be able to to, to help with that. At the time, whenever you're doing that and you're interacting with people, is it immediately resonating? Like, man, I got to figure out how to get more of this into my job? Or is it more like hindsight later, you're kind of like, well, that, you know, out of, when I think about it, the best parts of my job was interacting with these people. What were you thinking at that point? Yeah, it was exactly that. I had really enjoyed sort of learning about email marketing and, you know, learning very, very basic HTML. You know, that was taking up a good portion of my life, but I was way more excited when I was actually working with customers. Um, and I was so bad at designing emails. <laughs> I was really good at talking to people and I was so bad at designing emails. So I was much better at talking, you know, saying, okay, rather than me sit down and design this, why don't we have a conversation about what it is you're trying to achieve with this email? And so that was way, way fun for me, uh, way more than just sitting down and doing it on my own um, to, to just kind of understand what the challenge is that we were solving and how our tool could help people do that. Right. I think that, was, that was really the most fun thing for me out of, out of any portion of the day. So I realized I want to pursue this. Well, I think it's so important for people to recognize and realize of not only like the type of work they like to do, but also like the setting that they like to do it in. Meaning, mm-hmm. you know, like there's a lot of people that are really, really introverted and they're like, if I just, if I've got my headphones and my cubicle and I don't have to talk to anyone all day, that's perfect for me. I love right. it. Whereas some people are like, if I'm in the cubicle with my headphones, I'm dying. Like I yeah. have to interact with people. So even just kind of recognizing that the type of environment that makes the most sense for you is, is so, so important. So how long are you there before you start to transition to something else? So I was there for three years and uh, was just, oh, sorry, I was there for one year. I was at that company for one year. And then I started to, you know, they were starting to think the owner of the company had purchased another company and was sort of getting more excited about that and was thinking about winding down the firm. So I went to Emma Email Marketing, which was an e- it is a really fantastic company. It's an email marketing company in Nashville. And because I was excited about doing customer service and I was excited about email marketing, that was really the most logical place. And I was lucky enough to get an interview there. And I was going to join the customer service team and I ended up joining the agency service team, which is very similar, but specifically for marketing agencies, which was kind of perfect because I had just come from one of those who had done exactly. I had been doing exactly what my future customers would be doing. So I went to Emma for for three more years and did customer service there. Once you're there, is it like immediate resonates with you? Just like, oh, this is perfect. You know, I'm doing, I'm in the technology world. I'm doing customer service. I'm helping people figure this out. Is it immediately clicking for you or where's your head at? Yeah, it immediately clicked for me. Um, mostly because Emma puts a huge value on the customer experience and customer service, which was just, you know, such a blessing. Um, at, you know, at the previous firm, it had kind of been like, you just handle it, which was great because I got to do that and I got to, I had a lot of autonomy. But uh, <laughs> it was also, there maybe wasn't a ton of support. So when I 
wasn't sure how to handle something or whatever. It was just kind of on me versus at the next place, there was a whole team and we were all sort of experiencing the same things. And we had a ton of support from the leadership at Emma where, you know, they were really saying, do everything within your power and, you know, run it by us if you need to. But, you know, other than changing the price of the product, basically, you know, if it means a two hour conversation with a customer on the phone while you hold their hand, like do that. If that's what feels right to you. If it means driving your car over to their office and sitting with them for a day, do that. Like it was just such a huge value placed on making sure the customer felt awesome about the relationship with Emma, um, the technology and, and the results, all of it was just really fun because they put a huge value on that, which I think can really impact how customer service feels for the team. Yeah, I think that's so accurate that having that type of interaction as a customer makes you just feel like, I will only do business with this company if this is how they're going to treat me. It's awesome. It's just a wonderful thing. You know, Zappos is known for that. You know, just they will do anything and everything necessary to, if that means just chit chatting on the phone with a customer for a while, just to make sure the comfortable feels knowledgeable about what they're doing or happy or satisfied or understanding what it is that's going on, that, you know, do that as necessary. So you're there for three years. Seems like you're enjoying it. Why would you leave? Yeah, so I was absolutely loving it. And during my time there, I had started to help out not just on the customer service team, but I'd also taken a role on the social media team at Emma. So I was, you know, finding interesting articles to share on their Twitter account that would help their followers learn about email marketing or marketing in general. And uh, I had sort of started to really fall in love with social media. And, you know, there's really no thing that happened. It's, it was just one of those moments of after three years, you know, I'd just absolutely been so lucky to have my time there and still have great friends um, from those three years. I had just finally kind of gone, well, I've been here for a long time. Let me just see what else is out there. You know, I had kind of, I'd hit my three-year mark and was felt like I um, had learned a lot and maybe was ready for a new challenge, um, but wasn't in any hurry at all. And, you know, absolutely was definitely not going to move just for anything. Um, I had a pretty sweet setup at Emma. So I just kind of thought, okay, if there was any company that I would die to work for, what would it be? And so I made a list of like three or four companies and Buffer was one of them. And so I had sort of been been using their product and following them on social and the blog and just getting to know the culture and, and the team, um, which was quite small at the time. But uh, I, I was really into what they were doing and kind of the idea of social media and scheduling and analytics and social media for business and all that kind of stuff. So I just started following them and then poof, they tweeted out a job opportunity. <laughs> you were all over it. I was all over it. Yeah. I, but I think I, that something that you said there too, that's also like really, really important for people to know is that you're at Emma for three years and it's great. Like the, everything is going well. You know, what's not to like? You have massive autonomy in what you're doing. You're doing work that you really, really enjoy. Right. But I think it's okay from time to time to just kind of, and it sounds like, you know, even as you said, like I was in no rush. I'm not trying to leave. It's not like right. I don't like the place, but you know, I'm just kind of putting my feelers out just to see what's out there. And, you know, I, I had a buddy tell me one time, he said, you want to always find work where the challenge exceeds the skill set. You know, so my guess is whenever you came into the, I mean, going way back, going back to the PR firm, whenever they first presented 
challenge you with the email marketing or the social media, the challenge exceeds the skill set. I don't know anything about email marketing. My right. skill set on social media is non-existent. But right. eventually, those reverse. They go. They flip flop. And so the I can do social media and I can do email marketing in my sleep. And so the skill set exceeds the challenge. Then you go back to Emma and it flips back. And so the challenge exceeds the skill set. And so eventually you're there for long enough where maybe they flip again and the skill set exceeds the challenge. So I think it's all that to say, I think it's just important for people to regularly find work that is challenging that you kind of step into and you're like, I feel like I'm a bit over my head, but that's not necessarily a bad place to be. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way of putting it. Like, I think that's exactly what happened. It just gotten like kind of, yeah, the challenge was, had sort of been accomplished, I guess. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think. Which I think is okay to say, you know, like sometimes we're just kind of like, it wasn't challenging. That's not a bad thing, you know, just kind of like anytime you learn, it's not necessarily like you mastered it and you've got it all figured out, but the challenge of going from like 0% to 90%, you made it there and it would probably take you the same amount of time to go another couple percent. So it's kind of like, well, I, you know, I went pretty much all the way up this mountain. There's another mountain over there that looks cool. So let's, (laughs) let's go try that. And again, it's, it's not a bad thing at all. Yeah, I think it can sometimes feel like a like betrayal or something when you start to open your eyes to other opportunities. And I don't think that's really doing yourself justice because, you know, they want people who are really excited and just jumping out of bed on Monday morning to go to work and, and learn the skills. And if you aren't necessarily at that place anymore, then, you know, obviously, if, if you can create that within the company that you're still working for, that's amazing. And if you find that elsewhere. That's also amazing. Yeah, there's no bad there. <laughs> yeah. Buffer posted some type of job opportunity online. You see it immediately resonate. What's your next step from there? Yeah, it resonated immediately. They were looking for a customer service person. And interestingly enough, they didn't have anybody in the US at that time. They had one happiness hero in the UK and the founders were in Tel Aviv, Israel at the time. Happiness hero? Yeah, the role was having a zero, All right. uh, which I loved, obviously. <laughs> I just loved the idea of having the word happiness in the title. And the way they described the role really resonated with me. They kind of explained it like, this isn't just customer service. You're not just, you know, cleaning up the mess, like to use the phrase that you used, or to say, you know, you're not just following along behind the engineering team and saying like, okay, this is how, this, you know, you've created it. Now you're just going to to support it. Um, it was much more of a collaborative thing. And so they said, you know, we're a really small team. You're going to be the voice of the customer and you're going to really help people, not just, you know, how to reset your password, but also how to grow their business using social media and buffer. And that really, really appealed to me. Interesting. So you apply there, uh, obviously get the job. Once you're there, is it immediately feeling like, ah, this is it. I found it. I've landed. Uh, or what's, (laughs) what, what's kind of your, your thought process? Yeah, it did feel that way. Although kind of like you said, the challenge outweighed the skills. Again, I was alone in the US. And so I was alone a good part of the day uh, just due to time zones. So it was one of those things where if I had a question, I could either wait until, you know, much later in the day when, um, when Tel Aviv would come online or I could figure it out. (laughs) So I spent a lot of time learning, you know, just trying to figure everything out. And so I got a bunch of test accounts and signed up for a whole bunch of, you know, different social media profiles to test things. And so that was super fun because without a ton of resources, I was able to really learn the product, which I think I had used the product, but I wasn't, you know, a total power user. And so now 
now that we're, when we hire for this role, we hire for people who really know the product because that's a really important aspect of it. You have to have sort of pushed every button yourself before you can really support it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was so, so fun, especially when founders came to the U.S. and I had a lot more of overlap in the day. And then we hired several other people and it just started to grow really fast. And it was, yeah, I mean, it did. It felt like I had landed, but uh, not to say that it wasn't without challenges. <laughs> so today, I mean, as chief happiness officer, you oversee a team of your happiness heroes, correct? Right. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, my customers were Buffer's customers and now my customers are the happiness heroes. So I kind of work for them now and try and make sure that, that they have everything they need to serve Buffer's customers. Um, so I've done a little bit of a switch in that way. But uh, yeah, now we leave the, lead the team. It's uh, seven happiness heroes and a community champion, all working to kind of listen to customer feedback and understand where the challenges are and, and give all that information back to the engineering team so that they can adjust. Nice. I like it. You guys are the front lines to uh, make the product better. Yeah. Yeah. And we're lucky that the engineering teams really, they ask us a lot of questions. And so, you know, they'll say, we're thinking about doing this. You know, what is coming up about this particular issue? And so we've learned one of the things that we've learned this year, which I didn't really know how to do before, was to take customer service anecdotes. Like, you know, we have all this information in our brains because we're talking to customers all day long. But how do we turn that into actionable data? So we've started to kind of categorize by platform and, you know, see how fast certain types of questions go and how, how much time they take and like all this data so that the engineers can say, okay, this question is coming up the most out of absolutely everything. Let's solve that bug or let's make that button more clear. So yeah, that's kind of what we're focusing on now. Interesting. Good stuff. Well, if we want to check out Buffer or if we want to learn more about you and, and the team and what you guys are doing, uh, where can we go? Uh, well, you can follow us on Twitter at Buffer and uh, we're also at BufferApp.com if you want to check out the application. Cool. Very cool. Well, Carolyn, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Enjoyed hearing your story and journey. And uh, we will chat with you soon. Yeah, that was a fun trip down memory lane. Thanks for, <laughs> uh, thanks for having me on. It was fun. Boom. There you go. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Carolyn Koprash from Buffer and hearing her story and journey. You know, I, I love one of the things that we talked about towards the beginning there of how she was just thinking back to her childhood and things that she was naturally drawn towards, things that she would gravitate towards. You know, for her, it was technology. It was making people happy. And, you know, I think that's really important to just to stop, to evaluate, to reflect and think back. What were the things? What are the things that you've always been drawn to? You know, it, it, I, I can't understand it. I can't explain it. But I just I've always really enjoyed this thing. This is something that's always been fascinating to me. I've always been intrigued by this. I've always had a passion towards this one thing. What is that for you? And even, even like we talked about with Carolyn, even if it's something that, that's broad, like making people happy or technology, you know, we can figure out what that looks like and how that translates into a career. But you got to do some self-evaluation just to determine what some of those big areas are in your life that you just, I don't know, I, I'm just drawn towards those things. So what is that for you? You know, I also liked where we talked about just how the challenge has to exceed the skill set. And she was in a spot where she was completely content in her job, but she wanted to mix it up just to give herself challenge. And, you know, I love I love that. I love that because it's so easy to just go on autopilot and just go through the motions and just to punch a time clock and to, to put in the work, but it's not, it's just not doing anything for you. 
And I firmly believe, listen, if we've got one shot at this thing called life, if we all have to work, we all have to eat, we all have to live indoors, we all got to get a paycheck from somewhere, why wouldn't you do something that you love? Why wouldn't you do something that you are passionate about? And so that's why, in fact, as a little transition segue, here you go. Next Tuesday, uh, December the 2nd, we're going to be doing a free webinar on helping people discover what it is that they're passionate about, what it is that they were put on this planet to do. And so we're going to be diving into that, give you some different strategies, some activities and tools, things to consider and chew on and ponder, as well as just taking in your questions and doing what we can to help you find and do work you love. So next Tuesday, December the 2nd, you will want to register for that. I'm telling you, you won't want to miss it. It's going to be a lot of fun. You can register at grantbaldwin.com slash webinar. Again, that's grantbaldwin.com slash webinar. It is a totally free webinar, but you do have to register. So again, make sure you stop by grantbaldwin.com slash webinar. Now, one other thing I'll mention to you, we uh, have been doing a few different giveaways lately, and we are running another one currently that I would love for you to be a part of. Uh, as you know, we've been working on this new course that's going to be available to you very, very soon. Can't wait to share more details on it. But we're going to be giving away a lifetime membership and access to the course to one lucky listener. So if you would like to register to win a, a lifetime access, lifetime membership to the new Clarity course that's going to be coming out soon, you can register for that at grantbaldwin.com slash giveaway. Again, that's grantbaldwin.com slash giveaway. So if you're someone who's like, man, I don't know what it is that I want to do with my life. I just know what I'm currently doing is not it. This course was made, was designed for you. So I would encourage you, I'd challenge you, I'd push you to make sure that you register for that. Again, grantbaldwin.com slash giveaway. All right. I think that wraps up episode 58. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for hanging out with us. Really means a lot. Again, happy Thanksgiving to you. As always, feel free to email me, tweet me anytime I can do anything for you. You can catch me online at grant at grantbaldwin.com. Feel free to email me or you can hit me up on Twitter at Grant Baldwin, G-R-A-N-T Baldwin, B-A-L-D-W-I-N. All right, that wraps up this episode. Thanks for hanging out with us again. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Cheers to you and your family. You are awesome. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.